Now Jacob came safely to the city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan. When he came from Padan Aram and camped before the city, he brought, he bought the plot of land which he had pitched his tent in from the hand of the sons of Hamor, Shechem's father, for a hundred pieces of money. Then he erected there an altar and he called it El Eloi Israel. Heavenly Father, I pray now that your spirit would stay. We know it's here. We ask that it would stay and that he would speak to us tonight. We speak the name of Jesus and we want to have victory because of it. We pray this in his name. Amen and amen and amen. You can be seated. A couple of weeks ago, it was my daughter Liana's birthday. And I love Liana. She means the world to me. All of my kids mean the world to me. But Liana's the baby. And she's a baby girl. So she has stolen her daddy's heart. It was uh, close to her birthday, and I gave her like $5. I said, hey, me and you, we're going to go to Target. That's her favorite place to be is Target. So we're going to go to Target. I'm going to give you $5, and you can pick whatever you want. I made a mistake. I told her, whatever you want. She gets there with me a couple days later, and we're walking down the aisle, and she says to me, Daddy, I want that. And she points to this Barbie doll that's $80. I said, baby, that's really pretty. That's really nice. But, but that's, that's too expensive. That's too expensive. She goes, okay, Daddy. And She's holding her $5, and she's looking, and she's looking, and she's looking. She goes, Daddy, I want that. And it's Barbie's dream house, $175. I said, baby, hey, unfortunately, that's, that's too expensive. That's not the price I wanted to pay today. Maybe 20 maybe 30 but 175 you know, I, 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 had a, I had a limit. We keep going down the aisle and down the aisle, and I could see she was visibly frustrated because everything she wanted seemed to be out of the price range. Everything that she set her eyes to, somehow it was out of the price range. Most of us, whether we believe it or not, we're looking for something. We're looking for something to give us satisfaction. We're looking for something to fulfill a need that we have. Most of us are looking and we're desperately trying to find answers to the needs of our hearts. And yet, whether we like to believe it or not, there's usually a price that must be paid. And as I was thinking of this scripture and this sermon that I wanted to present to you right now, I started to think about the price of peace. I wonder what it would be that you would give to experience peace. I wonder what you would give so that you would have peace in your heart. I wonder what you would give so that you would have peace in your soul so that you could get a good night's rest. I wonder what it would be 
that you would be willing to pay so that you wouldn't have to deal with anxious thoughts or spiraling into anxiety circles. I wonder what it would be that you would be willing to pay so that you could have peace of mind. Just like Liana was going through that aisle looking for the thing that she wanted and she realized that the cost was a little high. I I want you to know today that there is a cost for peace and you can actually have it. There is peace that you can have in your life and you can have it present in your life today and every day until Jesus comes back. You and I, we can have the peace that we desire, the peace that we need, and there's a price that has been paid to make it attainable. As we look at Jacob today, Jacob is searching for peace. Jacob is searching for peace after dealing with his brother Esau, after struggling with having to face him after years of running from him. Jacob was anticipating being put to death by his brother Esau in chapter 33, and now he has finished meeting Esau, and he meets Esau, and Esau treats him in the most gracious and merciful way, so much so that at the end of chapter 33, we see that Jacob looks at Esau and says, you remind me of God. I just wrestled with God in chapter 32. I looked him face to face, and now that I'm looking at you face to face, you have the face of God because you're merciful, because you're gracious, because you're patient. And now Jacob is is experiencing in his life what seems to be the end of his struggle the end of his fear, the end of his battle since he ran, actually, since he was in the womb, when he was grabbing at his brother's ankles, trying to be the firstborn. Jacob is in his 90s, and he is finally reaching the end of the struggle in his life, and I wanna encourage you today that no matter where you find yourself in your life, whether you're young, whether you're old, there is peace that is attainable for you. Jacob's struggling with that. He just got done dealing with Esau, and now Esau wants to go with him into the promised land. Now, if you know Jacob, you probably probably know that Jacob doesn't trust his brother. And Jacob is wrestling with, should I trust my brother to go with me when he might be tricking me to get me to trust him so that he could kill me. Jacob is such a trickster, he is is assuming his brother is probably going to trick him too. Also, I'll say this, we didn't go through it in our sermons, but, but Jacob got tricked by Laban to marry Leah and Rachel when he was just trying to marry Rachel. So now he's covering his bases. He doesn't wanna get duped on me. What's the saying? Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice. Shame on me. That's what Jacob is dealing with now. His brother has come to him and has said, let's go to the promised land. I don't hate you. I love you. We're family now. Let's move forward. There's resolution that's offered to him, and yet he doesn't know whether or not he can accept that. And I think most of us wrestle with that. 
Most of us wrestle with the scripture when it tells us that all of our sins have been paid for. Because we have a sin that we commit that we feel is egregious, and we say, well, what about that one? That one's really bad. What about this failure? It's something that I don't want anyone to know about. Is it really taken care of? Is there really peace? Here we find Jacob in chapter 33, and we're going to run through these verses. Because the, the main idea, I'm going to, spoiler alert, is found in verses 17 through 20, but the first four verses set us up. So as we learn how to read the Bible, we got to see the, the context that's being shown here. It says in verse 13, this is after Esau has accepted him and they've kissed and made up, literally kissed and made up. Here we go, verse 13, but he said to him, my Lord knows that the children are frail and that the flocks and herds that are nursing are a matter of concern to me and they are driven hard and if they are driven hard just one day, the flocks will die. This is Jacob and he's making an excuse. He's making an excuse as his brother just said, let's go together back to Canaan, and now Jacob steps back and he says, listen, do you see everything that I have and everything that I own? I think that you want to drive quickly to Canaan and I want to take my time. Don't miss that. Jacob is delaying moving forward into the promise of God. He's delaying his obedience. I heard Adrian tell me the other day, actually me and Adrian talk all the time about scripture and about what this stuff means and Adrian said something to me that was interesting. He said, what's the saying, Ralph? Uh, delayed obedience is immediate disobedience. Jacob is being disobedient. He has the opportunity to run into the promised land. He is secure and he is running away from the chance at doing that and he's using his animals as an excuse. Well, hey, they might, they're really tired. Now, this actually tells us some things about the time, the time that this is happening. Actually, the time that this is happening is right around the time that we're at right now. It's in the fall for us. And Jacob is now having to figure out what is he gonna do. It says, I don't know that I wanna drive everything all the way into the promised land. Verse 14. Please let my Lord pass ahead of my servant. He said, go ahead of me. Hey, how about this? I'll meet you there. You go, and I'll catch up with you later. He said, please, my Lord, pass on ahead of your servant, and I will proceed when? At my leisure. So many of you, you're not where you want to be, and it's because you've made your own decision to take your time when it comes to obedience. So many of us, we're not where we need to be and where God has called us to be because we have made the decision to put obedience on the back shelf. He said, I'll get there at my leisure when it's convenient for me, when I'm ready to go. How many of you have bargained with God and said, hey, I'll do what you ask of me, but not right now? I can't let that go yet. I won't do that yet. I got, I got to make sure I do this first. God, I, let me finalize this and work on this. Bef You're delaying your entrance into the fullness of God's promise. Jacob is saying, at my leisure, please give me a chance to do this at the pace of the cattle 
that are ahead of me and the pace of the children. Do you see what he's saying here? He says, I'm not even going to put the pace up. It's not going to be based on me. It's going to be based on the things around me. And I want you to see what Jacob is doing. He's saying, it's not my fault. It's the, it's the kid's fault. It's the cattle's fault. I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do, and I'm shifting blame on other people. How many of us do that? If my boss would only have, sounded like that quarterback in high school who would have made it to the league if he didn't blow out his knee. Oh, I would have made it. If my knee wouldn't have given out, I was going to the league. I said that all the time. If I was just six foot three, if I was six foot three, I'd be in the NBA. Listen, I didn't get those genes. I need to quit making excuses. Jacob is making excuses and he's blaming everyone else. Listen, the reason I can't make it is because of the children and the cattle. What excuses have you made? My parents, the reason that I can't get to where I want to go is the, look at the family I came from. Look at the family I married into. Look at my debt. Look at the struggle I have with my finances. I can't really commit to serving because all the things that I have to do. I can't really commit to the things that God has called me to do because I have so many things I'm saving for. Listen, we have to recognize the part that we play when it comes to God giving us what he wants to give us. Jacob is saying, mm -mm, I, I'm going to go at the pace of someone else. And I'm telling you right now, the more excuses you make for your lack of pace is going to eventually cost you because there's a price to pay. And we're going to see that next week in chapter 34. It costs Jacob everything. He's blessed. He's been given God's blessing. His brother doesn't hate him. And yet this right here sets him up for complete failure. There's this scripture in, I think it's Song of Psalms. It might be wrong, or it's Proverbs, written by Solomon, wisest man. He says, catch the little foxes, the little ones, that sneak into the garden and destroy its fruitfulness. Solomon is saying, Hey, your garden's not being fruitful, not because you're not doing the work, it's because you're disregarding the little foxes. The little things matter. The little things matter, and if you want to see God be fruitful in your life, you need to pay attention to the little things. And even though right now, this is just Jacob saying, I'm going to set the pace, and it's going to be really slow, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. He says, I, I'm going to do this at the pace of the children, verse 14, until I come to my Lord at Seir. He says, I'm going to meet you where? Seir. Spoiler alert, he doesn't go to Seir. Jacob is manipulating his brother. When's it going to stop, Jacob? Why are you manipulating and lying to your, scholars are literally on the fence about this. Why is Jacob doing this? I think it's there to show us our hearts and how, how difficult it is to have full trust in things like this. I think Jacob is struggling to trust God with the protection that he needs to enter in. And so he's not going to trust his brother. And how many of us, we struggle with trusting God fully with our lives? We, we struggle trusting God fully with our children, 
fully with our finances, fully with what he does for us. And says, I'll wait until I come meet you at Seir. 15, Esau says, please, okay. But let me leave some men with you to take care of you. I love this about Esau because Esau's like, okay, that's fine, but I, I don't see any warriors here. I want to take care of you, so take some of my people to take care of you. But he said, what need is there? Be careful when other people see a need and you don't see it. Did you see that? Be careful when people tell you, I think you need to make some changes in your life, and you say, I don't need that. The Bible tells us that we need many counselors, the book of Proverbs tells us. That we need people to speak into our lives. And here is Esau, and Esau is speaking into his life. You're not safe. What you're doing is not good for you. Please take my men. And he says, what need is there? When you start, when you start turning down people, holding you accountable, that's when you know there's a problem. Am I okay? I know this is a quiet room, but y'all feel like really quiet. The Astros won. It's okay. He says to them very clearly, take my men. He says, what need is there? Let me find favor in the sight of my Lord. He is still trying to prove to his brother that he don't need him. I'm strong. I'm capable. Have you ever been there still trying to prove it to that person who's done trying to be impressed by you? We live our lives trying to impress other people by buying things and having things. And he's sitting here trying to impress. Let me find favor, even though the favor has already been given. Don't waste your life trying to impress other people by the things that you have, the degrees on your wall, the money in your bank account, the things you can accomplish. He says, listen, let me find favor. And he is still stuck in his need to, to people please. And to show that he's strong. And I know I'm the second born. And I know I've made mistakes. And I know things aren't great, but I'm going to show you. Be careful when those words come out of your mouth. I'm going to show you. I'll show them. Oh, I'll prove it to them. Oh, I'll make sure everyone knows. He says, what need is there? Let me find favor in the sight of my Lord. Verse 16, so Esau returned that day on his way to see her. Esau's like, all right, cool. All right. You want to do that? Go ahead. You do what you got to do. I could just imagine Jacob watching Esau right away, and he's feeling a sense of relief, and he's missing that God was using Esau to protect him. Listen, there are some people in your life that you are rejecting that God has placed in there to protect you. There are some people in your life, some, some people that you are afraid of, that you don't even want to connect with, that God has put in your life strategically to give you, to save you from yourself. And yet you're re be careful when you reject a friend. He says, I'll just go to Seir, verse 16. Here we go. Now we're in the money scriptures. You thought the first couple scriptures were great. These are the money scriptures. Are you ready? Come on, you got to shout back to me. I know, I know you're like, oh, my God, I hope he doesn't think that I'm, this is about me, so I'm going to sit real quiet. I'm not going to say amen. But listen, this is all, Jacob is me. 
Jacob is you. Jacob is all of us. Verse 17, it says, so Esau returned on the way to Seir, but Jacob, ugh. But Jacob, he journeyed to Sukkoth. Real plain and simple. Did he do what he said he was gonna do? No. Here's the funny thing. I'm gonna read it, and I want you to catch it. We're gonna, we're gonna do some Bible study. But Jacob journeyed to Sukkoth. Do y'all know what that word is, by the way? Okay, Sukkoth. Here, here's the thing. Sukkoth is a, is a Hebrew word that means God's covering you. He's going to a place called Sukkoth. It's actually, it's actually a word that most Jewish people use now for the Feast of Tabernacles, which actually, ironically, 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 just ended yesterday. Today? Today. Sukkoth. The people of Israel remember Sukkoth, the Feast of Tabernacles. Why? Because they're remembering how God pulled them out of Egypt, and while they were in the wilderness for 40 years, he gave them coverings, and he was with them, and he gave them tents to stay in. So on every house and every Jewish home, they would build a little hut on the side, and for a week, that's where you would live. As a remembrance of what God did for you in the wilderness, Sukkoth. It's, this is a foreshadow to the Exodus and Sukkoth. He's going to a place named Sukkoth, but don't miss it. He journeyed to Sukkoth and built for himself, here it is, a house and made booths. That's, that's the covering, the booths, for his livestock. Therefore, don't miss it, therefore the place is named Sukkoth. Was the place named Sukkoth before he got there? No. When was it called Sukkoth? After he went. See, Moses is writing this, and Moses is giving us a hint into the area that he's in now. He is telling us he went to this area with no name, and he built a house for himself there, and he built booths for his animals, and it's a foreshadow to the protection that God had for the people as we came out of Egypt. That's what Moses is saying. We still call that place Sukkoth. You don't get it. What he's saying is, here's Jacob in pure rebellion, and God's still covering him. You don't get it. He's saying, here is Jacob lying, manipulating, doing the thing that he should not do, and God's still providing God is still covering. God is still with you. You should be shouting me down because I don't know if you see. Moses is saying when you read this, you should shout a little bit because if God was so good enough to him, he could be good enough to you. Sukkoth. Is it any wonder that the war that's happening in Israel now is coming at the end of the Feast of Sukkot, at the end of celebrating God's protection. I won't get into prophecy with you, but I'm telling you, it's coming. Jesus is coming. It says here, God, this is really good. I hope you understand what I'm trying to teach you here. Jacob journeyed to Sukkoth and built for himself. 
Listen, this language is important. Jacob has spent the last 27 years building for himself. And now he's gotten into the land of Canaan. He is there. He is there. He is in the promised land. And he has built for himself something. He is building himself a house. And he's made booths for it. Obviously, he has decided, this is where I'm going to stay. Jacob says, I know I got somewhere I have to go, but I feel like this is where I want to be. So he builds a house. So he builds a place for his Camelac. Y'all should laugh. Come on, don't leave me out here. I know we got most of our people out, but y'all can still laugh. He builds a place. Could it be that sometimes... Sometimes we build things for ourselves that God has already tried to build for us. God has already provided for him the fullness of the promised land, and now he's like, okay, but I'm, I'm going to build my house. Be careful when you focus more on you and what you can build for yourself than what God wants to give to you. He says... He said, I'm going to build this for myself. I'm going to build this for myself. I'm going to build this land. It's going to be good. My livestock's going to be here. But it doesn't end there. Verse 18. Now Jacob came safely to the city of Shechem. We don't know how long Jacob was in Sukkoth, a land with no name. I think there was a little bit of pride in Jacob when he said, I'm going to make something of this land. I'm going to, I'm, be careful when it's about you. I'm going to, this land with no name, I'm going, to make it, I'm going to make it special. I'm going to do something important here. We don't know how long he stayed. No scholar really knows. But the Bible does tell us that then he leaves and he goes to a new place. A place named Shechem. Verse 18. Now Jacob came safely to the city of Shechem. Which is where? In the land of Canaan. Hallelujah, he's in the promised land. The land of Canaan is the promised land. But can I tell you something? Shechem is at the very border of the promised land. Jacob crossed the River Jordan, saw the first city he could see, and he said, I'm going there. I'm settling. That's, I'm here. I'm not moving anymore forward. That's where I'm settling. I want you to catch this and not miss it. It's so important. He says in verse 18, now Jacob came safely to the city of Shechem, which is in the, the land of Canaan, Jacob came safely to the city of Shechem. Shechem means peaceful. That's what Shechem means. That is the Hebrew word for peace or peaceful. Shalom is one of the words, and then Shechem means the art of the being at peace, fully at peace. Don't miss the language here because Moses is trying to teach us something. Now Jacob came safely to the city of Shechem, which is in the land of Canaan. 
when he came from Padam Aram and camped before the city, he bought the plot of land where he had pitched his tent from the hand of the sons of Hamar, Shechem's father, for how much? 100 pieces of silver. Jacob now decides, okay, I'm, gonna, I'm getting away from Sukkot. And I want to live in Shechem. That's where I'm going to live. When you look at this, you should ask, why is he doing this? This makes no sense. And you should do that because you know what was said to him in the earlier chapters. In Genesis chapter 8, verses uh, 20, Jacob had just been to the area of Bethel where he saw the angels going up and down in a ladder. And he made a vow to God. This is what he says in verse 28. Then Jacob made a vow saying, do you see it? Let's put it up there. You got to read this. Genesis 28, 20. It says, then Jacob made a vow. I don't know if we got it. Do we have it? I don't know. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me on this journey that I take and will give me food and food to eat and garments to wear and I return to my father's house in safety, then the Lord will be my God. This is Jacob's vow. Five chapters earlier. If God will give me food, give me clothes and be with me, where? And I can return where? To my father's house, where? When I'm safe, then the Lord will be my God. Okay. Jacob's promise was that if God would keep him all the way back to his father's house, that he would trust God. Where is his father's house is the question. Beersheba. In chapter 28, earlier in the chapter, it says, and Jacob left his father in Beersheba to go find a wife. Beersheba is hundred, hundreds of miles away from, from Shechem. Jacob made a vow to go all the way back to his father's house, and yet he didn't. He didn't go all the way back to his father's house. And if you notice the, the words here, it says, to my father's house in what? Safety. Read verse 18 in chapter 33 again. Put it up. Chapter 33, verse 18. Now Jacob came. Where? Safe is the first time that Hebrew word is used Again, since chapter 28, Jacob now feels safe. And because he feels safe, he feels like he can settle. Give that a second to sit. He finally feels safe, so he stops pursuing the full promise of God. Because, hey, I feel good. Things are okay. I don't need to do much more. 
100 miles extra, I got to go. Why do I got to do that? Don't miss what's happening here. Jacob, in this moment, he is stopping his pursuit of the promise because he feels like he's actually come to a place of peace, which is the name of Shechem. Shechem means peace. He feels safe. You're not seeing it. And so he stops pursuing God. Here's what I want to say to you. If we're not careful, your pursuit of just being at peace will be the reason that you push pause in your pursuit of God's promise. I feel good. I mean, things are better. It's not as bad as it used to be. I'm kind of like at peace. I'm comfortable. Hey, comfort, comfort can stop you from pursuing the calling of God. He's comfortable. I've made it to a place. I'm, I'm in Canaan, right? Technically, I'm still here. Have you ever been to Mexico and, or on the way to Mexico and there's like a dividing line? Or have you ever driven to another state and you see that you are now in Oklahoma. Why you're in Oklahoma, I don't know. Maybe I'm upset because Texas lost today. I don't know. But there's a line. He just gets over. He's like, I'm in Canaan. This is all, I've done what I need to do. I've done everything. I've made it. I've, first, I've done everything. No, 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 Jacob, actually, no. You're supposed to go all the way back to your father's house. But because you're comfortable you're compromising. You're compromising because you just got comfortable. And I listen, at this church, don't be upset when we don't let you stay comfortable. Because we know that comfort will make you compromise. Jacob is saying, I have been pursuing peace for over 27 years. So now that I feel like I found it in this place called, what is your Shechem? What is your place of peace? Is it drinking too much? Is it some kind of vice? Is it some kind of sexual addiction? What is that place that gives you peace? I'm telling you right now, you are short, shorting the promise of God on your life. He comes to Shechem and he says, I'm finally safe. I'm back in the place where I feel like no one is against me and I feel good about where I'm at, so I'm gonna settle. I'm gonna settle. Then it says, when he came from Badam around verse 18, he bought the plot of land where he had pitched his tent from the hands of the sons of Hamor, Shechem's father, for a hundred, verse 19, pieces of silver. I got a question. I got a question. Why is Jacob paying for land that God already promised him? Why is Jacob paying for something that God already said was his? Do you remember the promise that God gave Abraham, as far as your eye can see, north, 
south, east, and west. That land is yours. Don't worry about it. Jacob knows this, but Jacob is settling, and so he is paying for a plot of land because he doesn't want to have to deal with going fully into the promise that God has for him. Most of us, this is us. I don't really know how far I want to go. I want to be, I want to be obedient, but then I really want to do this. And then, I, you know, we're constantly shuffling back. That's Jacob. That's Jacob. He's like, well, I know this land isn't technically mine, so I can't just come in here and say, God made me a promise. This is my land, but I want to be here, so I'm just going to pay for it. Can I tell you something? It will always cost you something when you're living outside of God's plan. Be careful. Because it is when we're outside of God's plan that we usually start paying for it. What are you paying for now? Because of the decision you made. Because of the decisions you currently make. You're paying for it. And you know it. You've been living outside of God's plan. You've been compromising it in your disobedience. And you ignored the people that got put in your life to redirect you. Now you're, now you're paying for it. It will always cost you something when you're living outside of God's plan. What's it cost you? He paid for it. And it was because he didn't want to go deeper into the land. He didn't want to go further. Listen, our, our mistake is that, yes, listen, I want you to get this. We're saved. Jesus Christ, through his death, burial, and resurrection, Ephesians tells us faith in that alone saves you. We know this. And most of us, we're just satisfied with, I made it. I'm here. I'm just going to settle. Because my, I'm already in the, pro listen, just because you're saved, doesn't mean you should live your life without any common sense. We pursue Jesus and his call for our lives, not because we have to, but because we want to. Because we're grateful for what he did for us. Not because we're trying to earn anything, but because we're trying to bring him honor. Here is Jacob, and he's made it to the edge, and he's like... I'm just going to settle. He bought a plot of land where he had pitched his tent. And he settles. I think I know why he's doing this. I think I know why. And it's in Genesis 31.3. Look it up. Guys in the back. 31.3. 
Genesis 31.3. You can go and get the band up here. Let's go ahead and get the band. Genesis chapter 31, verse 3. This is before... This is before chapter 32 when Jacob wrestles God. This is before when he meets Esau. But this is the moment where God tells him to leave Laban's house to go pursue the promised land. You with me? This is God telling him, it's time for you to pursue the promised land. Does that make sense? I know there's a lot of shuffling in the room. Please try to stay with me. The Lord spoke to Jacob. Look at the direction he gave him. Return to the land of your fathers and to your relatives, and I will be with you. Did you see it? Return to the land of your fathers. Where's that? We just said it earlier. Beersheba. Return to the land of your fathers, Beersheba, and. Return to the land of your fathers, Beersheba, and where? To your relatives, and I will be with you. Jacob did not want anything to do with his relatives. Esau's already taken care of, now he's afraid of his dad, his mom, and whoever else. He is realizing, I think I'm good. I've made it to the land. Be careful when you put your own interpretation onto what God is telling you to do. Are you hearing me? Be careful when you put your own spin on what God is saying to you. God said in 31, I want you to go back home to your father's house in Beersheba and back to your, when I see that you have done these two things, I'll be with you. Halfway obedience. Halfway obedience is full disobedience. I'm in the land, but I'm not fully in the land. I'm just on the edge, but I'm okay. I'm not trying to go back to Canaan all the way into Beersheba, and I definitely don't want anything to do with my family. God ain't blessing them. God puts these things in our lives, not because he wants us to prove it to him, but because he's trying to save us from ourselves. What Jacob is doing in Shechem is going to destroy his family in the next chapter. And God has been trying to tell him, I want you to go here, and I want you to follow Esau, and I want you to go back to your family, because if you don't, things are going to go bad. And he just completely turns it into his own interpretation. Halfway, oh, my kids, I remember, I tell them, hey, stop drawing on my walls. Stop getting permanent marker and drawing on 
my walls. Day later, I come. My kids are drawing on the sofa. What are y'all doing? I told y'all to stop drawing on the walls. Yeah, but this ain't the walls, Dad. Sometimes we just need common sense. He says here, he bought a plot of land where he had pitched his tent from the hand of the sons of Hammer, Shechem's father, for a hundred pieces of silver. Then, I got to sprinkle on some Jesus on here. Then he erected there an altar and called it El Eloi Israel. El Eloi Israel. What does that mean? It means the mighty God is the God of Israel. He erects this pillar and he says, I'm naming it the mighty God is the God of Israel. This is the first time since chapter 32 that Moses allows the name of Israel to be mentioned in conjunction, right, with Jacob. Jacob's name got changed in chapter 32. This is the first time we see it in the Bible. Moses is telling us, my man, I want you to know that I still know that you're rebellious. And all these things that you were doing, Moses is saying, your name is Israel, but you act like Jacob. Your name might be Israel, but until you start acting like Israel, I'm going to call you Jacob. This is the first time since chapter 32 that we see the name Israel. He says, I'm trying I'm living in this way. I'm Israel. And he's like, no. You're living halfway. You are called to something higher, child of God. You are called to something much greater and much higher. And I know that you're thinking, God changed me. He loves me. He does. But you're still acting like your old ways. You're still acting in ways that doesn't give him honor. And I know, maybe you're doing it because you want some peace. Maybe you're doing it because you need some fulfillment and satisfaction. Maybe you are trying to rationalize the price that you're willing to pay for peace. Do you know when I was with Liana at the store? After going aisle for aisle, realizing there was nothing there, under $20, I had to bite the bullet. I said, look, we're just gonna buy the thing you want and when we get to the front, you're gonna put your money in. We get to the front, she puts her money in. I said, you see that? There still needs to be more money put in. She said, I don't have no more money. I said, it's okay. Your daddy has the money. took out the dollar bills, and I put them in, one by one, showing her that I got this. 
Here's what I want to tell you about the peace that you're looking for, the satisfaction that you need, the fulfillment that you really want, the fullness of God's promise for your life. The price has been paid for the peace that you're looking for. And it's nothing that you paid for with your own money, like Jacob. It was paid for you, the peace that Jacob desperately wanted, the peace that you desperately need. It's paid for. Romans 5.1. Therefore, since you and I have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through the payment of our Lord Jesus Christ. The price for peace has been paid. I just, I just, listen, I just want to encourage you, stop living like Jacob. Stop, you're Israel now. Stop living like Jacob. Don't just settle for being on the very edge of the promise of God. Walk fully and completely in the promise that he has for you. Pursue it and don't press pause. Because what he has for you is greater than anything you could imagine. Spoiler alert. He goes eventually to Beersheba. But it's too late then. His family suffers and struggles. And if he would have just been a better father, a better leader, a better spiritual guide, his family wouldn't have to go through that. I'm praying for the men here. Lead your homes. I'm praying for the men here. Be men of God. Don't be halfway in and halfway out. For the men here, step up. Quit pressing pause for your whatever it is that you're using and pursue him completely for the sake of your family, for the sake of your walk with Jesus, for the sake of the promise that he has for you. Pursue him. Don't stop. The price for peace has been paid and it's paid for by Jesus. Come on. Come on. Good. That's good. Come on. Stand up with me. Stand up.